0: there are some talented sports players that are women and it's a shame that you're not we're not more aware of all of them
1: welcome to the power hour the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success i'm adrienne herbert international speaker fitness coach adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur each week i'll be talking to today's leading coaches creatives change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. This week I am joined by Jenny Faulkner, TV presenter, radio host and runner. If you are not a morning person then trust me after listening to this episode with Jenny you will be converted or at least convinced to get up and give it a go. She is the ultimate early bird. She has endless energy and enthusiasm and you can just hear the smile in Jenny's voice. I feel motivated, energized and I cannot wait to get up and out tomorrow morning so I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. (laughs) Welcome Jenny to the podcast. Firstly, I'm so excited to have you. I know I was a guest on your podcast quite a long time ago. Um, we've, We've done some running events together. We've met a few times. So I'm really, really glad to have you as a guest on the show. How are you
0: doing? Yeah, no, I'm really good. It's so nice to chat to you and also really nice to come on your podcast because I listen to your podcast and, um, it's hugely inspiring. And, you know, you did say that you came on mine because mine's run pod about running. And, um, I always remember when you came on and. You said something in the episode and whenever I'm running, say I'm running up a hill and it's really, really difficult. I just remember the quote you said and you said, you can do hard things. And I will yes. always remember that. And, um, I'm like dying as I'm running up a hill and I'm like, I hate Adrienne, but she did say <laughs> you can do hard things. So I just keep going. I mean, I don't always keep going. Sometimes I'm like, I break, but. I think, no, 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 I've got to, I've got to do it. It's such a good, such a good quote that you gave. And it's, you know, it's something that I try and uh, reflect on quite regularly
1: oh brilliant well I'm glad that you've uh, yeah taken that and used that it certainly still works for me and I think a lot of people actually who either listen to this podcast or who've read that in in my book are uh, yeah always pull that out they always go back to that and go yeah it's so simple but it's a really clear thing to keep in your mind and yeah knowing that you can do hard things and thinking well I've done it before I can do it again so what a great oh, yeah. place to start I know. so for anyone listening who might know you as a tv presenter a radio host if they follow you online or, or listen to your podcast then they'll know that you are also a fellow runner and lots of runners I'm sure tune into this podcast as well. So I guess yeah let's start straight away there. So Jenny can you tell us your journey into running, when you started and really what running is for you?
0: Um, Well you know I always was a bit of you know, jack of all trades and master of absolutely nothing whatsoever. When I was at school, I did all sports and I was in, you know, county teams and whatever. And I I, I was just good at everything on a basic level. I didn't excel at anything. I think I was just someone that gave everything a go, especially when it came to sport. Uh, And running wasn't really something I focused on at all because I was quite into doing team sports. But when I started working as a television presenter, so I was 18, 19, I was away from home. I was on my own. And I couldn't commit to clubs, I couldn't commit to team practice and I found that I wasn't doing any exercise and I was also putting on a bit of weight and getting unhealthy. And I thought well there's only one thing I can do in my own time uh, at my own pace and that will fit in with my life and I can do it wherever I go as well and that is running. Although I wasn't really very good at it. So this was when maybe I was 19 at the time, all I wanted to do was run for half an hour without stopping. That's all I wanted to do. So I kind of worked towards that, and I was living in Glasgow at the time, and I eventually got to that point where I ran for half an hour without stopping. And then the aim was to run 5k without stopping. but I didn't even know I'd run I think it was actually five miles because no one really worked in K, and we kilometers, we did it in miles, and the only way you could work out your distance was by getting the car and driving the distance. <laughs> Because we didn't have have Fitbits or or nothing to GPS. So you literally had to drive the route and then go, okay, that's my route. And then the next day I would go and run it. And that was the aim, just to see if I could keep going. And that suddenly grew and I got stronger and I wanted to go more. But I quickly realized that the more I ran, the more I wanted to go, maybe to better my time, maybe to improve my pace and speed and distance. But more than anything, because I knew it made me feel good. It gave me confidence. It... um, the confidence was a huge part of it, actually. It really it really helped. It took my mind off the way I looked aesthetically and made me more focused on the way I felt and also just made me feel fitter and gave me something to do in my spare time. And that just suddenly became the thing I did. I suddenly just was a runner.
1: Mm, so it became part of your identity maybe of, of saying yeah i am a runner because i do this this you know uh, consistently and actually interestingly so you said it was kind of a solo endeavor for you and has it stayed that way did you ever have you ever been part of a running club or you know worked with a running team to to do a challenge or a relay or has it remained solo for you
0: well there's nothing it is not it's not because i don't want to be part of a group and go and be in a running in a in a kind of running club or anything it's literally just because of my hours and the the way i work actually running solo works well for me and you know, I've I've worked on early early breakfast radio for years. I used to finish for eight years. I finished at six or six thirty in the morning. Finding a running buddy at that time is quite difficult. So I mean, I'm just used to going on my own, and actually, it works for me because it's turned into not just uh, running for you know physical exercise, running for um, headspace. It's also meditation time for me. So actually, it gives me a chance to reflect on anything I need to do. My to do list. It's when I'm creative. It's I mean, everything happens. That is my power or Adrian so that mm-hmm. is the time that i i have my me time and anything I need to reflect on that's when I do it so actually as lovely as it is to go with someone else i get I get quite a lot of out, out of it going on my own
1: I totally agree I'm nodding along because as someone who is so social and you know I'm an extrovert I love to be around people but yeah 90% of my miles are done on my own and often people say you know why aren't you with a running club or whatever and same as you you know I have to fit in my schedule it's usually early it's usually six o'clock in the morning so can really relate to that but when I when I do get the opportunity to run either with friends or you know maybe after you know they finish work and I'm in town and we meet for a run I really love it and I love the kind of running even just with one or two people where you forget about the pace you forget about the route you might just be chatting the whole time and it just feels like a different experience but similar to you you know I really get a lot out of the solitude aspect and I think because our lives are so busy now and because we are connected all the time actually finding solitude it's really hard actually it's really rare to to have time completely alone, so yeah, I really enjoy that too. And do you think? Because I know you're a mother, I'm a mother. We've both got children of a similar age. I think Jude is nine. How old is your daughter? Yeah,
0: Ella's nine. Remember, we went to um, Disneyland Paris to do the we the race did. weekend, and our our kids were both doing the the little. Uh, <laughs> how was it three kilometers or something they did together okay
1: oh. yeah oh, actually, my was, yeah jude said when i told him i was interviewing you today he was like oh we went to disneyland with her i was like yes we did and that race i don't know if you remember but the time that they put it on for the poor kids i think it was about 5 p.m we traipsed around disneyland obviously they wanted to go on all the rides and it was it was really hot actually in september
0: it was 20 something degrees it was really hot for them
1: yeah and jude set off absolutely flying he's like you know maybe the the jamaican sprinter in our in our heritage he set off absolutely flying and then we were standing at the side you know go kids woo and then after a while you know off they went and they went out of sight and then the kids who you know were finishing started to come and eventually I saw Jude (laughs) red-faced and he looked livid he actually came towards the finish I think he was walking I was like is that my son I was like come on Jude and he looked at me as if to go I'm never doing that again
0: I don't think he really enjoyed it to be honest it's so funny, the competitive. I realised then that my daughter is competitive. She's never really wanted to push herself with running. But off she went. And as she came to the finish line, I could see that she was racing another girl. And um she also said, I will never do that again. However... <laughs> She kept going because she did not want this girl to go overtake her at all. I love that about her, the little competitive street. But yeah, I'm sure if we took them back there, they'd be willing to run again.
1: Yeah, I'm sure they would. But I, I, it's interesting, isn't it, how that came out of her, that kind of competitive edge. Whereas, as I say, my son, he's very laid back, but he literally was like, I couldn't care less. I was like, you're walking, <laughs> you cannot walk over the finish line, come on. Um, but with that in mind, so we're both mothers, and do you feel like you know we're talking about solitude and having time for yourself and you know there are so many demands on our time as mothers as women as working parents so yeah how did did you continue to run through your pregnancy when ella was born was it more important to you then did you take time off running
0: yeah it's interesting actually isn't it because i just thought loads of people so we were pregnant 10 years ago and everyone used to go (gasps) oh Shouldn't really be exercising. I mean, there's nothing more different now. I think everyone exercises as much as they can. In fact, I was interviewing someone the other day who's pregnant and she's running, she's doing like really good times. She said, I feel fitter now that I'm five months pregnant than I did before and it just shows that And she's a doctor so you know you think okay so actually when we were all paranoid about it it was unnecessary but I ran with Ella when I was pregnant I ran till I was about five months and that's when I had the the, the kind of belly developed and I could feel a swing it was like I had a beer gut and I didn't <laughs> feel com- I just didn't like it I was yeah. I don't like the feeling and um, I'm sure now there's enough you know support clothes and support gym wear out there that actually maybe it would be a little bit different but I just mm. got really worried uh so I did run throughout I, I found that I was a little bit more out of breath so maybe I couldn't run as fast or as far and, and everyone else said you just got to be able to maintain conversation so I ran and then after five months I switched to cross trainer but I did weights and cross training and went to the gym and went for walks until the week she was delivered you know the week she was born I didn't I didn't stop at all did you?
1: Well, it was different for me because I wasn't actually a runner then. So it was actually after Jude was born that I, that I discovered running. I keep
0: forgetting you came late. I long, came yeah. late.
1: But yeah, no, I just thought it was interesting. And especially now, as you said, I think it's, it's definitely changed, you know, people, the, the narrative for women around being able to train through pregnancy and also afterwards is very different now i wish it had been you know i wish there'd been so much stuff available when i was pregnant actually but also i think we're more aware now of mental health and of of the fact that women need support and men but you know postnatally and that exercise is a, p- a key part of that so if you can i think you know encouraging whether they need childcare, whether they need support from partners whoever but just making sure women know that actually it's so important for both on mental health and physical if yeah. you're used to being active then yeah suddenly you've got a baby and your kind of your whole life is turned upside down and yeah i think trying to keep that going and keep that time for solitude you deserve
0: it mums yeah that's the hard part actually when you've given birth and then suddenly you're you in your head are the person you were before you had the baby. You're like, I feel absolutely fine. I'm not pregnant now. I want to just go back out and run. But actually your body's going, I'm not ready. But your mind absolutely is. And I found that really difficult to cope with. But I ended up getting a pram that I could run with. And eventually once I I went out too soon initially and my legs, this disgusting, my knees started overbending because um, I had too much relaxing in my joints. I had to wait a little bit longer. And eventually, I did get the go-ahead to go. I was just too eager. And I would go out running with Ella in this pram that you could run with. So actually, Mm. she'd just go to sleep. I'd go running. Both of us very happy.
1: Brilliant. Brilliant. And so now then um i mean not conscious we could talk about running all day but i'd really love to know you know this last year the pandemic you know it's changed the way we do everything it's changed the way we train um the way we interact the way we work the way we live we're homeschooling you know everything's changed and for me i think when it comes to you know my running and my approach as soon as the races were cancelled you know when it first march 20 march 2020 that's what it was wasn't it going it's so hard to keep track now we feel like we've been in this for so long but I was training for London Marathon. And so at that point, it was quite, you know, quite close. Maybe it was six weeks away. I was probably up to doing my like 16, 18 milers. And as soon as it got cancelled, there was definitely a part of me that felt, you know, demotivated, deflated and kind of went, oh.
0: I'm absolutely with you on that. That's exactly where I was too.
1: Yeah. And then obviously the year carried on and it carried on and it carried on. So yeah, I'd love to know really how you, how it's impacted the way you train. And if you feel similar to me with races being cancelled, how have you kept a routine how have you kept a structure do you normally have a program what's it been like for you for the last year
0: well I was really um really disciplined uh, going out running training for marathons half marathons whichever race I had coming up and I tend to do a uh, marathon around April and then I'll do um, a half marathon in the spring as well and then I'll do a, a few half marathons in the autumn so summer is just running for fun Autumn is constantly training for halves. And the first few months of the year is just building up to that marathon. That is the, sh- the kind of structure I have to my year. It's just the way it works. And the hard training is for the marathon. The rest of it is just a really enjoyable ride. So the minute the marathon got scrapped, I really was lost. In fact, I was I was a little bit lost as we got closer to the marathon because I could see it was going to be cancelled. And I kind of knew it was going to be. But I, I just, I couldn't therefore get into the training so if it had suddenly gone ahead, I wouldn't have been match fit because I had almost given up the training because I'd, I'd lost my drive for it. Mm-hmm. And I found that actually instead of training for an event, I got into a routine. So for me, routine is really important to keeping my sanity, I suppose. So I go to work, whether, you know, there was a period of time I was working from home doing a live breakfast show um, every single day, you know, six days a week. So I would, I would be working. I'm back in the studio in central London. So I would I go to work and I run home and then I do podcasts or whatever other work I've got in the afternoon and then family time when my daughter's finished school. So I have this lovely routine. It's brilliant and it keeps me sane. Um, however, not having something to train towards, I had to turn that on its head, I guess, and find something else. So the running home from work, commuting every day, was the best thing I'm eight miles away from my work and I just ran and it was during the summer you know the weather was amazing throughout the first lockdown so I ran every day and you know what happened I fractured my foot because I ran too much, so it was even worse. Oh no! I didn't know that. You know what? I had not thought
1: about injury because a lot of people now are saying that to me. If they're new runners, especially, they're like, "Well, how can you be running for years and years and years on the road, on the pavement? Your legs taking you know, and not get injured?" I didn't know that. So tell me more. So you got well. I it
0: wasn't even. I mean, look, I've run for years, and I have never got a stress fracture in my foot before. But it was basically it was the repetition, the lack of stretching, the lack of going to the gym, the lack of everything else I usually do cross training, just running every day, just exercising the same muscles, Um, got fatigue in my, my glutes, kind of went down to my knees and got worse, ended up with a fracture in my foot. And yeah, it was really bad. And the doctors wouldn't diagnose it. It was so frustrating. So it happened beginning of August. They all just went, just rest it, you're fine. And because of COVID, no one's prioritizing a stress fracture. They just think you've just got a little sore foot. So they just said, you're fine. Absolutely fine. X-rays didn't show anything. Anyway, six weeks of not being able to walk, I went for an MRI and it showed it was a really bad, really bad stress fracture. And uh, ended up in a boots Three months, not even, I could hardly walk. I mean, it was so frustrating. And so for someone who does exercise every day to keep level-headed and to keep at ease and to have that mental clarity, suddenly not being able to run, made me a little bit anxious. However, I I made sure that I did like weights and conditioning. Um, I also, the minute I could start walking, I would walk everywhere. And I played a lot of golf. So I know that's you know, you're meant to, I didn't carry my clubs. I didn't, I got a buggy. So it's not quite the same. But the fact is, it was getting me outside. And it was allowing me to focus on something and do exercise of a sort even though I definitely wasn't burning the calories like I was used to but it gave me gave me some respite but yeah it was frustrating so if you are a new runner and you're out there just be careful I now insist on having rest days today is a rest day I'm dry I'm going nuts I want to go and do some cardio but um I have to find something to do that doesn't involve running you know I have to have those rest days they're so important
1: yeah well yeah this is it and actually as I'm listening to you Jenny I think think there's almost two camps right so sometimes people will say oh you you two are mad you know running every day and you know it's kind of for some people it's the other end so they only run maybe once or twice or maybe even exercise or workout or whatever you want to call it and it's that challenge to to do more but for the other extreme or end of the spectrum it's the you know doing something every day training every day running every day it just becomes a part of your daily routine just like cleaning your teeth because
0: you just if you love it why not i mean I I know that you do too. We both, we we love the way we feel. And it's not about, it's not about burning calories or it's not, it's not about any of those things that maybe years ago people assumed you were working out to get in some jeans. You know, it's nothing like that. It's literally, it's about the way it makes you feel and Mm. it makes me feel blooming good Mm. and I don't want to go without it.
1: Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? It is exactly that that feeling. I, you know, I can relate so much and that feeling of movement, moving my body. It's like I often say to people, if they have a dog or a cat, you know, I don't have pets. But if you, you wouldn't keep your dog indoors all day in a tiny little, you know, space. You'd have to let them out. You have to run. And that is how I feel. I've got so much energy and I have to move. But this idea of, you know, like, yeah, moving your body every day, training your body every day, I think it can yeah, it can become like we we think that it is it is normal for us and we move like that every day. So if that's taken away, for example, when you've got that injury or for some people they'll say now it's been taken away because their gym is closed, if they're, you know, a CrossFitter or, you know, something that this year is taken from them. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's like how do they kind of maybe be okay with it? You know, when you first got the boot, it's like, yeah. well, you cannot run now. So how do you yeah. kind of go? I can't panic about it. I can't, you know, do anything about it. You always have to surrender to it and, yeah. and relax. The worst Were you thing able I to think- do that?
0: Well, the worst thing I think you can do is be um, start getting upset about it because the minute you start getting down about it, it escalates and spirals. And I knew that I was going to miss the running. In the summer, everyone was out running and everyone was out. I say they are out tanning and toning and traveling. And basically, they were having the best time. And I was just watching. I, couldn't, I had to get a blooming taxi home from work. I couldn't even get on the tube. I couldn't walk. So it was so frustrating. However... Um, in fact, you know, what I used to end up doing my little girl's got a scooter and I would stand, put my sore foot on the scooter and then I would just pad like pedal along, like glide along beside anyone so I could converse- have a conversation with people, walk to the shops with people just so I could move. You've just got to find a solution. And um, if that solution is looking like a far too old a person on a child's scooter, then so be it. Or if that is a case of, you know, signing up for some home virtual training, then do it because you never know, it might make you feel good. In fact, you might find something you enjoy more. For me, I started playing golf more, just had to Mm. buggy every time I went. But I just made sure I find something that would make me happy and give me that buzz that I I would normally get out of running. It wasn't quite the same, but, you know, I just... I just had to replace it with something else. I didn't want to sit around and kind of dwell on the fact I was missing it.
1: Yes. And I'm so glad to hear someone else say that, Jenny, because honestly, I feel like people often say, well, you know what, you should have, you know, put your foot up and watch TV and just (sighs) surrender and just give into it. You know, it's not forever. And eventually you'll get back out there. So just get, you know, get over it and just chill out. But actually, if it's not a part of you, like it's not a part of who I am, you know, chill out. I'm like, what's that mean? So actually, I think it's nice to go, you know what, if that is you, don't let people kind of shame you for it. Just lean into it,
0: you know, My dad said, oh, do you know what? This is good. Maybe it's time to give up running. And I was like, are you kidding? I said, (laughs) it's just time. It's just time to recover and then get back into running. Maybe be a little bit more careful next time, but, you know, lesson learned. Yeah, Yeah. it's definitely just doesn't stop you loving it. Mm,
1: yeah absolutely okay so the next thing I want to talk to you about is women in sport we're both I guess women in sport you know neither of us are professional athletes but we you know we love sport I'm sure we we probably you probably watch a lot of variety of sports as you mentioned you know you like golf and running I know you've done the marathon lots of times and also you have a big social media following and you know you talk to them a lot about your running as well so I don't know if you know this stat, but this was actually from 2019 and I saw this and it's just been in my mind so much that when I speak to other women who who are active and, and mothers especially, I just, yeah, would be interested to to hear your views on it. So the stat that I read in 2019 was that sport on TV and media, well, specifically on television, if you look at all of the sports shown on television in one year, everything from basketball, football, tennis, athletics, every single minute of television how much what percentage would you say is male and what percentage would you say is female if you had to guess
0: oh right now i'm i'm completely expecting this to be a really low percentage for women i really really am because just i mean just look at the television look at rugby's on all the time football's on all the time you know the tennis the the main matches that they focus on unfortunately are quite often the male games and um yeah, and this was, been, pre-COVID, so yeah, was pre-COVID, I'm, I'm, what do you reckon, so yes, pre-COVID, pre-pandemic. It's definitely not. It's definitely not fifty-fifty. I'm. <laughs> oh, I, I would love there to be more women and more women doing sport on television more often. I'm going to say something like it's going to be seventy-five percent male.
1: I wish it was Jenny. The truth, it is ninety-six percent male four percent women and that's minutes so again if you think about the super bowl the um nfl basketball golf four percent of the tv minutes allocated to women in sport
0: this Four. is exactly why they're saying that young girls are not taking up sport. I mean, there's this huge, huge drive by the government to try and get girls to do sport. You know, we have we have so many advertising campaigns. We have everything just trying to encourage women, young women, schoolgirls, everyone to just be more active, mm. to be more physically fit. But actually, if they're not going to showcase what we can do on a kind of on an impressive level, then Mm. how on earth are they expecting young people to follow suit? If you see a little boy, chances are a little boy at some stage wants to says he wants to be a footballer, says he wants to be a rugby player. It's just the way little boys are. I bet Jude has said something along those lines at some point in his life. A lot of the time, girls would never even entertain that. We've never even entertained being a sportsman because Mm. they wouldn't. They wouldn't kind of consider it as a, good, a decent option. Now, I'm not saying this is a sweeping statement. Obviously, there are some children that have had their eyes opened and realized that, you know, they want to be a tennis player. They want to be uh, uh, in the women's rugby team, whatever. And there are there are young children and um, people coming through the ranks, the women that think differently. But I would say on the whole, probably they don't realize that that is that could be a career option, you know? They don't well, really exactly. think about and it. And to
1: that point, you know, we mentioned already about our kids, you know, nine-year-old girl, nine-year-old boy, and you're you're totally right. I think it's not even just about the TV. That stat is so shocking. But actually, as you said, you know, when you look at the behaviours and the things that, you know, is it nature, nurture? The, the visibility and the access, yeah, to my son, whether it's through athletics, football, swimming, even the role models that he sees, you know, Avengers or, you know, to be stronger, to be faster, to be this, to be that. I definitely think as... A female who I definitely grew up, you know, loving athletics and and I'm quite competitive. So I think it was more that that got me into team sports and stuff like that. But yeah, I just was interested to see, you know, as as a mother of a nine year old, and I'm sure, yeah, if that experience is different to mine. I guess I don't know what can we how does it change what do we need to change when will it change because I think in other things we're talking about diversity representation we're talking about gender equality whether it's how much we earn whether it's you know women in politics women in business but women in sport are we really that far behind you know I mean I don't know really how we start to change that and, and how soon we can expect to see some change
0: but it's not also it's not necessarily even people playing the sport. For instance, you know, as I've said, I play a lot of golf. The people that work in golf are are pretty much men. You know, they're all men. There are very few females. We're not being represented in that mix, mm. and it's I I I don't think they can argue it's because we're less capable. It's just it's it's a male dominant dominated environment and it shouldn't be the case. That definitely should be time for change. With my daughter, I try and make sure that she tries as many sports as possible. And look, when I was younger, I did the same jack of all trades, master of none. I said it didn't mean that I didn't aspire to play them on a regular basis. And I make sure that Ella tries out every sport possible. If it's available, just go and give it a go. If we go anywhere in the school holidays, there's a camp on, I'll say, why don't you go and do that cricket camp? She used to go to cricket, football, rugby, anything. Just go and give it a go. you know, if you like it, let's seen if you don't at least you've tried it don't be someone that hasn't given it a shot because you never know what actually how you might feel about it until you've done it and um it is a shame that there aren't more opportunities for women in sport and there should be that's there absolutely should be
1: yeah I agree and I think potentially I think though women- as
0: well a lot of women lack confidence when it comes to sport because it is such a male-dominated environment um I don't mean to keep going back to golf. It's the only example I can give. But when I started, I didn't. I didn't know how. To, I only started two and a half years ago, and I didn't know how to get into it. So it's always been in my eyes quite a male sport. It shouldn't be because I get as much enjoyment out of it as my husband does. Who he start he started playing as well, and um, I don't get why it's it's a male dominated sport when actually it's so fun. Why do why is it only men that have? golf days for business why don't women you know it's just so Mm. silly little things like that and actually it's a great sport and more people should do it and I actually think that that's right across the board with other sports as well it's it's a true shame but hopefully this will change.
1: Hmm. Well I think maybe potentially that's one of the benefits of social media and in terms of that visibility because I know social media gets a bad rep you know it's always looking at negatives and how bad it is for people's mental health how bad it is for us to be addicted to devices and of course there's, there's a yin and yang to everything but I think one of the hopefully main benefits certainly in in the way I use social media, the people that I follow, the people that yeah, inspire me, I really do hope that, yeah, the next generation when they do get phones and when we do lose them to tech, that maybe that is a positive, that there'll be that visibility and that actually if, if it's not on the mainstream media, we can, yeah, I guess help to, yeah. to curate it that way and to showcase that actually that you can see people who, you can see women, you can see different body shapes, body types, ages, abilities, actually out, all out there giving it a go.
0: Yeah, because there are some talented sports um, sports players that are women, and it's a shame that you're not we're not more aware of all of them. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. so let's talk a little bit
1: about the power hour, early mornings. Jenny, we mentioned already breakfast radio. Now I've had one uh, guest a couple of years ago, actually, who was a breakfast radio presenter and she was getting up. I think if I remember she was getting up every day at three or maybe two 30. And honestly, as most guests that come on the show, I say to them, I get up at half past five and they're like, Oh, that's so early. But for you, yeah, you're halfway through your, your show or nearly at the end of your working day. So tell us Jenny, how long have you been getting up? Super, super early with the birds. What time do you get up, and what is the first hour of your day like?
0: Well, um, my life has changed a little bit in the last year. So, um, for eight years, I was getting up at half two in the morning. Um, half two in the morning, I was doing a breakfast radio show on Heart. Early breakfast on Heart, it was. So, I was on air four till six thirty, and um, that was eight years. And it was it was a hard hard slog so you'd get up at 2:30 and you'd go to work and then I'd finish at 6:30 then I would have my power hour. So then I would have, because I'm I'm not going to get up early, I'm going to be brutally honest, no matter how keen you are on early starts, not getting up before 2.30. And I would then go 6.30, I would then go on a run or I'd go to the gym and I would do something that, and it would make me feel alive. And actually what would happen is instead of going home for a nap, which is what a lot of people did, a lot of my um, contemporaries who were on at the same time would go home and go for a nap. I couldn't because I would feel jet lagged. So I would... Use that hour to go out and re-energize, do some exercise. I feel really empowered doing it, and then I would get come home, have a shower, and then I would be ready to start the day. And then I might have other jobs, or I might have you know whatever else was going on. I would just the minute I sat down and did nothing is when I would start feeling tired. So I would always try and keep as busy as possible, and power through till the evening. Now things are a little bit different in that. A year ago I started working on the Smooth Breakfast Show. So now I get a lion. I don't have to get up till half four. And oh, so wow. <laughs> I don't <know. laughs> so, so I actually I mean I mean I'm just up before half four, but I mean that is life changing. Absolutely life changing. So now I get up at half four and I work through till about ten, half ten. And then I have my power hour. So that's what happens then. Because obviously I can't. I can't, be I, in my dream world, I would be having it a little bit earlier, but I'm still working. But yeah, I love, I love early starts, maybe is extreme. Uh, but I tell you, getting up early is just amazing. When I used to finish at 6.30, in winter, you'd see the sunrise. Um, in summer, you'd be one of the first few people out running on a beautiful morning and You just get to enjoy the day and you you just can't believe that other people aren't up. I used to phone people, hi, morning, and they'd be like, why are you phoning me at this time? And I just in my head assumed that everyone was awake. It seems like a really ridiculously beautiful time of day and it's foolish for you to miss it. That's when you're living it. Well, you'll know the same. You just can't believe that people wouldn't want to be experiencing this perfect kind of lull before the day starts and oh my gosh and th- something
1: so magic about that hour as you're describing that golden you know kind of the world waking up and yeah being yeah. able to to witness that and not kind of yeah I, I completely yeah I'm just nodding along being like I know that feeling you so well it. and I can't and describe to
0: people. Yeah and if you're a morning person by the way you everyone can be a morning person it's just a case of adapting your body and I've spent um, I started doing 4am starts when I was oh, I don't know about eight in the year 2000 I was started for breakfast television getting up at that time so for me I have always been a morning person and It just means I enjoy the day. I love that time of day. I love getting up. I have much, I find it much easier to get up than stay up. So um, for me, staying up is the challenge, but getting up, not a problem. Love it. I just, it's when I feel most um, enthusiastic about life, everything. It's just like, I really, I'm just happy in the morning.
1: Well, I'm sure I'm going to now ask you a question, which I'm sure maybe the listeners are just like, ask her, ask her, ask her. Jenny, what time do you go to bed and how much sleep do you get? Because if you're like me, then sleep is the key. Sleep is the game changer. You're not getting up at 4:30 surely exhausted because you've only just gone to bed. I hope so tell us. How much no. sleep do you get?
0: I don't get I don't get enough. I'll be I'm um, so uh now that I could, Now that I get up at 4:30 um And also with lockdown, there's there's not been much work because usually I would work in the evenings on certain jobs. So there's been none of that really. So I go to bed, I'm asleep, properly asleep, definitely by 10, usually by nine. Sometimes I fall sound asleep on the sofa at eight. So I would say that for me, an average asleep, nine o'clock, definitely.
1: Hmm. Yeah, but that's that's. that's, And if there's a
0: really good TV show on that I really want to watch, I'll try and stay awake. But it's rare that I make it to ten.
1: But nine till four thirty, you know, that's that's decent. I think. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, a lot of people go to bed at 12 and tell me they have to get up at half six, seven. And then they wonder, they're like, I can't do the power hour, Adrienne. I'm just not a morning person. I'm just too tired. And I'm like, yeah, I would feel like that if I stayed up till midnight every night watching TV or, you know, scrolling on Instagram, which don't get me wrong, I also succumb to the temptations of notifications. Of course we all do. You can always just refresh, you know, that's why they're so addictive. But I think, uh, yeah, no, I think nine o'clock till 4.30, that's
0: great. I mean, I'm quite pleased because before when I was getting up, I have to. I wasn't going to bed till much later. And it, because I had work, sometimes I'd be getting two hours sleep, sometimes three hours. But what I would do is, and I work on a Saturday morning, a little later. So that's fine. I work at 10 till 1. And so I get a line on a Saturday. But Sunday, I set no alarm. I just wake up when I wake up. So I don't care about power hour on a Sunday. Sunday's... Yeah day of rest (laughs)
1: Mm, yeah that's great well I did an episode with Dr Sophie Bostock who is a sleep scientist and um, yeah so for anyone listening who wants more info on that then scroll through and try and find that episode because she answered a lot of people's questions about yeah can I lie in at the weekend you know what about if you jet lag what about staying up late what about if you wake up in the night what if you know people who really are listening to this and feeling energized by you Jenny and thinking gosh it does sound great you know that morning and actually I think January you know let's be honest it's dark it's cold it is so hard for some people to literally even think about peeling themselves out of bed in the dark but what I'd say is the spring is coming the mornings are going to start to get lighter and it's that amazing magic time of yeah I think it's kind of at March April where honestly yeah you go out sometimes I would go out from start my run in the dark the sun slowly comes up by the time I run back to my house it's like this orange sky or pink sky purple sky and 20 minutes later it's gone 20 minutes later it's gone and you've you've missed it so I really hope people are yeah feeling encouraged and inspired it's to
0: start trying it it's an exciting time when that changes you look eight years of getting up at half two you know when it's gonna you know when it's lighter mornings and there is a period in the summer, in like May, June, where actually even around half two, you can hear the birds tweeting. And it's just phenomenal. So actually, that time is getting closer and closer. Mm-hmm. And you're right, soon the sun will be rising earlier. And it just everyone's so much happier
1: mm, yeah either that or they're just happy because I mean to be honest Jenny I have some friends who they hear the birds at two thirty 30 a.m because they're on their way home <laughs> and that's just the truth remember that going out oh. oh my gosh well before I go on to ask you my closing questions can you tell the listeners where they can find you where can they find your fantastic run podcast and yeah follow you online
0: Okay, well, so if you want to listen to RunPod, which is a podcast all about the feel-good of running, and Adrienne has been on it as well, well, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. That's RunPod. And otherwise, well, I'm on Smooth. I'm on Smooth Radio every single day. Uh, well, Monday to Saturday. So I'm on Smooth Breakfast. It's the London show, and it's also across, um, you can hear it across the country as well. And then on Saturdays, I'm on Tental One. And then otherwise, I'm on Instagram, at Jenny Falconer. And that's yes. it. You can I can bore you to death if you look there. There's generally just a picture of me running or, running with someone or doing something like that
1: yeah no I love your run pictures Jenny I feel like they're very encouraging very motivating even when it's raining you did one recently where you were soaked at the end of your run but you still (laughs) had a smile on your face so yeah check that out okay so my quick fire round I'm quite long-winded so it never ends up being that quick but let's go straight in first question is one piece of advice that you would give to someone who wants to level up their running and take it to the next level this year
0: okay um well, we'll realize that you have to do it gradually. Don't think you're going to be Paula Radcliffe tomorrow because, I mean, some people are that amazing, but on the whole, none of us are. In fact, on the whole, let's be honest, none of us are going to win the marathon. So just take the pressure off just enjoy it just gradually build up set yourself realistic goals and challenges and you will get there and you'll be proud and just try not to compare yourself to others because some people might have been running for years secretly and not tell you some people might just be you know talented in a different way to you so just deal with your own running in your own pace at your own time or you'll be fine
1: gradually build it up i like that
0: next question is one book that you
1: recommend to everyone to read
0: um oh right I'm trying to like kind of like filter through all the easy chick lit and everything else I've been reading there's one book that I always go back to and I'm not going to go into too much detail it's just it was it was a book that I read when I was about 16 it's called She's Come Undone and it's by an author called Wally Lamb and it's it's just really moving and emotional and it's about an overweight girl and it's unfair and it's inspiring and it's everything and it's a book that I just always I just I just read every now and again to kind of remind myself of other people's troubles and and, and I think it's a good book to read
1: Hmm, I like that I'm gonna write that down okay one thing that you've bought that brings you endless joy for 100 pounds or less
0: oh my goodness I haven't bought anything for ages, apart from like running kit. So I knew it was going to be pretty yeah. I mean, I haven't really bought anything. I mean, I. I've had great joy out of a pair of running socks that have meant that my feet have been really comfortable. I mean, that's a terrible answer. You don't want that. You want something No, decent. but this is
1: the thing. Sometimes when people think about, you know, that thing that it's got to be, yeah, big, exciting, expensive, but it maybe is that simple. It's like actually getting a really great pair of socks is like a game changer. So that's I mean, a great
0: £100 or less. Such a game changer. I mean, I genuinely, I cannot, I cannot tell you. You might have heard of the brand called Runderwear. It's not an ad or anything. I literally just found their running socks. Game changer. Okay that's I mean it's there we go what 15 quid or something that's it there you go I've saved loads of money from (laughs) 100 (laughs) yeah
1: and then my closing question which I ask to every guest is if you had one extra hour every day all those you know if I had more time if I had more time well you now have 25 hours every day what would you use your extra hour to do
0: so tempting for me to just go I'd love to go and do some like do maybe some extra working out or do something that would bring me so much joy in a kind of personal selfish way but also I don't want to overlook the fact that something else that brings me great joy is just hanging out with my family and sometimes there aren't enough hours in the day for us to spend quality time so if we had one hour just to hang out everyone had to put their phones down everyone had to put all their tech down and just we all got to hang out and enjoy our time I think that that would be the best decision to make to spend one hour just with the family or with friends or whoever, just one hour just with them, nothing else. That would be nice. Yeah
1: yeah it sounds like time well spent well thank you so much jenny for joining today and uh, this is everything i knew that it would be i feel good i feel motivated i feel inspired i'm looking forward to waking up early tomorrow and if you enjoyed the episode please let us know please share it please reach out instagram twitter all of that you can rate and review on itunes or wherever you listen to the podcast thanks for tuning in stay safe see ya bye